Amen. Well, you can be seated this morning. And it is great to be with God's people and great opportunity. Thank you, our worship team and band, just for leading us literally to the throne of the Father. I want to encourage you, as we are sharing this series out of the book of Colossians, this, this book, the book of Colossians in the New Testament, has, been a huge, has had a huge impact on my life. From uh, just as a teenager when I accepted Christ all the way until today as I have continually been reading it, not only thinking about this, this series and thinking about uh, what God is doing, but we want to encourage you to continually be involved in worship. You know, what we do on Sunday mornings should be the culmination of a week of worship for us because we have the opportunity to be in God's Word on a, on a weekly and daily basis. So we want to encourage you, as Bart and I are leading you through this series, I want to encourage you to be reading through the book of Colossians as you're, as you're going through your week. Read it from different versions. Maybe pick a version this week. If you don't know how to do that or you're thinking, well, I only have one version at home or maybe you have 10 or 11 Bibles and you've never read out of all of them. So get them out one at a time and read this in different versions. There's some great places you can go. Off our website, there's an application for your phone. If you have a smartphone, you can use that or you can also use it on a computer. It's called Uversion. And so we want to encourage you. Matter of fact, Karen, could we bring these lights down just a little bit? Because I feel like I'm getting a suntan up here. Okay, there we go. I know I'm white, but you know that I'm not that white. I don't need a, a suntan today. But um, also, if you want to go to BibleGateway.com, you have a huge list of versions and, and also paraphrases that you can read this from. So read it from different places. We just want you to be in God's Word as you're doing this, as we're going through this series, because we want God to speak to you. Do you want God to speak to you? Do you want that? Amen. Okay, this is, by the way, it is now 11-11, that clock says back there, so you should be awake by now. I don't care about time change, spring break, or whatever. So remember, this all will go better today if you respond. Just keep that in mind. So just uh, you respond, you laugh at jokes I tell, we'll all get out of here quicker, okay? So just, just do that. But we want you to be involved in God's Word. This message that I'm leading or that I'm doing today is called Am I Bearing Fruit? So on the back of your bulletin is a place where you can write notes. There's going to be a series of questions that I lead you through today that are questions for evaluation. Okay? There are, there are things that you can take into your week and think about as you're reading through Colossians. That's a, really the way that I think this would work the best. You think through these questions as you're walking through this book and reading it during the week. But that those notes that we provide, those blanks on the back, I just want you to, to write down whatever God places on your heart. And we want you just to be obedient to that as you go through this week. But this message is entitled, Am I Bearing Fruit? Now, I know being in Texas that we might say it a little bit like this, Am I Bearing Fruit? Okay? But that's two totally different things. Our staff, they reminded me that they said, Make sure that you say bearing fruit today because if you say, Am I Bearing Fruit? That's two totally different things. But that really brings about exactly what we're talking about. If you are bearing fruit, that means that you are fruit that does not reproduce. And that's really what we're talking about. The question instead is, am I bearing fruit? Am I fruit that continually reproduces? Last week when Bart was preaching out of the first couple of verses of this passage, he used an illustration that was an illustration that just captured my heart. He talked about Mexican food. Okay, Do you guys remember that from last week? And, I mean, I felt led by God to go eat Mexican food last week for, uh, for lunch. And my girls were very excited that I was listening to the Holy Spirit as he spoke through Bart last week. 
And I actually texted Bart last week and said, thank you for being obedient to the Lord because he spoke to me to go eat Mexican food. Bart said, I'm, I'm just obedient that way, okay? But there are illustrations in this passage and in this book of Colossians that is just like that. And we're talking about one this morning about bearing fruit. I want you to think about fruit. Do you guys love to eat fruit when it is really in season? Okay, let me see your hands. Audience participation time. How many, how many of you are really meat eaters and you would throw fruit out the window? Okay. Okay, I can kind of tell which ones. I'm not going to say how. Okay, but nevertheless, here's what we think. Here's what I believe. I love fresh fruit. I will never forget growing up in Arkansas. Imagine me with, you know, cutoffs on and no shoes and all this stuff. But we actually had strawberry fields that we could go. Strawberry fields? Okay, not a Beatles song. Okay, but... We had strawberry fields that we would go and we would pick fresh strawberries. And I mean, they were huge, delicious, big red strawberries. Not these ones that are kind of green and white in the center. What's up with that, okay? That only happens to a strawberry that you get at the store in December when you shouldn't be buying strawberries. But nevertheless, we had these great red juicy strawberries. I mean, we would go and pick them. We'd cut the tops off of them, slice them up. My mom would mound sugar on top of it. And then you would get this juicy stuff at the bottom of that, and she would fix this. Uh, it's, it sounds so good, doesn't it? Making you hungry. I know this is, this is the, the lunch crowd here today, but, but, I mean, I would just, you'd take that in, and I will never forget some of those summers of having fresh strawberries and shortcake and whipped cream. Okay, yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. Well, fruit is that kind of thing. Fruit just that is so succulent, it just melts in your mouth. One of my favorite memory, memories of my family is my mother-in-law and father-in-law provided an opportunity for us to get to go to Hawaii. And my family, with my girls and Jennifer and my mother-in-law and father-in-law, we were all there together. We went to a place on Kauai called Waimea Canyon. And Waimea Canyon is the, it's the Grand Canyon of the Pacific. Beautiful. And there was this overlook. And we got to see all of Waimea Canyon. We're taking it in. I'm with my family. I mean, it's one of those moments. It doesn't get any better than this. And then it did because they had fresh pineapple right out of the fields cut. Oh, that's good. Good audio. Mm, I heard that a little bit. Some of you got, oh, yeah, that's good. But that's what fruit is supposed to be like. Just melt in your mouth, succulent, very, very tasty. And it'll take you back to memories. And that's what I want to speak to us about this morning is am I bearing fruit? Because I want you to think about fruit. Fruit has the great ability to be able to reproduce itself. I want you to look at this image of an apple tree. I come from apple tree country. There's a place called Lincoln, Arkansas in the northwest corner, and there's all kinds of apple trees. But here's what I want you to see today. You see this, this tree that just has all these apples on it, a commercially grown tree will produce between 150 and 350 apples every year. Every one of those apples have between five and six seeds in those apples. So that means this, that on average, at least every apple tree produces 1,000 times its own ability to enable that tree to go into the future. And when Paul writes this book to this church in Colossae, it's this idea of bearing fruit that we're going to look at today. But I want you to understand some things about Paul. Bart started talking about this last week, but we've got to think about this book to this group called Colossians because really I think this book could be called Saginaians, okay? People from Saginaw. It could be written to us because you know Paul 
he did not even get to go to this church called Colossae. He didn't get to go there because he was in prison when he wrote this. And I want you to think about Paul's life. Paul wrote in the book of Philippians, I know what it's like to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. Because I've been in great circumstances and I've been in really tough circumstances. You know where Paul is when he writes this book? Prison. He is in prison. Now we say that really flippantly. We throw it out there. But Paul is literally likely in chains when he's writing this to a people that he's never met. You see, Paul only knows this church in Colossae because of a disciple of his named Epaphras. Epaphras was the pastor of this church at Colossae, and he actually accepted Christ as a disciple of Paul when Paul was at Ephesus. You see, we forget about Paul's way that he got into ministry sometimes. Remember, Paul was a persecutor of the church. He literally had killed people. I'm not going to ask for a raising of hands to see if there's anyone here who killed someone. But if we had someone who was here today that killed someone, would we think that they could eventually ever be a Paul? We wouldn't think that. We judge them. We make them something that maybe they're not or something maybe that they are. But you see, Paul had killed people. And Paul sometimes, for Paul, his most fruitful time of ministry would be shortly after he accepted Christ. He accepted Christ on the road to Damascus. He literally saw and heard the voice of Christ and saw Jesus before him. And then he blinded him. But Paul went on missionary journeys to all different kinds of places. And he started churches. And Paul would, if you were in Paul's shoes, I think Paul would probably say he would think that might be his most fruitful time of ministry. But then Paul went to a place called Ephesus, and he stayed there for three years. Paul might have been getting older. I don't know if he could travel as much, but he rented out a hall. The hall was called the Hall of Tyrannus. And Paul taught from that place for three years. And it was during that time that Epaphras became a Christian and went back to his hometown and started a church. Why could we call this Saginaians? Because that's exactly what Bart Howell did. Bart came back to his hometown just like Epaphras went back to his hometown and he started a church. And so for Epaphras, Paul's most fruitful time of ministry was not when Paul himself was necessarily planting churches, but when he stuck in one place in Ephesus and discipled Epaphras and Epaphras went and started a church in Colossae. But now think about this. Paul didn't stop there. Paul even got older. Paul got to a place in which he couldn't go anywhere else. He was in prison. And what did Paul decide to do? I believe the Holy Spirit put this in Paul's heart. And he said, Paul, you need to write letters to the churches. And I want you to think about that. If Paul had not been in prison, if he had not gotten in trouble with the Romans for continuing to profess Christ, if he had not been bound in chains and felt like he had no other means I'm sure Paul thought at the end of his life, as he's in chains, it was his most unfruitful time of ministry. But if he had not been there, if he hadn't gone through what he went through, would we have most of the New Testament? And the answer is no. So for you and I, we might say Paul's most transformational ministry were these letters that he wrote that became part of the New Testament for us that we get to read. And we get to continually be transformed by. So here's the message for us today. Are you bearing fruit? 
Is your life bearing fruit? You're no different than Paul. Most of you didn't kill anybody on your way to church today. Most of you did not uh, experience many of the things that Paul did, but you can be absolutely just as fruitful. Some of you think you're older. You don't have any place necessarily in the kingdom. Maybe you are bound at home. You don't get to go out to church very often, and you're listening to this by the Internet or you're listening in, in other ways, and you don't get to get out. You think your life is worthless, and I'm telling you, Paul thought his life is worthless or might have thought his life was worthless, but his sometimes most fruitful ministry was when he couldn't do anything else but write letters. And people could come in and see him, and their lives would be changed. You have people coming into your life on a daily basis. You have children. You have future grandchildren. You have legacies ahead of you that you can make an impact in if you will just choose to do it. Parents, I want to encourage you. Send your kids letters. Write letters of your faith. You know, something I've actually begun to do is I've begun to text prayers to my daughters. Parents, it's an opportunity for you to send them verses by text. You can do incredible things. Now, I know your kids are going to say, oh, man, this is another prayer that my mom is praying over me, and now I've got it on this text. Oh, that she's sending me another verse, or Dad's sending me another verse, or he's sending me a prayer. But you can pray prayers into your children. You can go into future generations. You can make an impact on people that you will never meet, as Paul never met this group called the Colossians. He never met them, but he impacted their life. And because of his faithfulness, he impacted our life as well. I want you to ask yourself the question, what do you think was Paul's most transformational time in ministry? For him, he would have thought it was planting churches. For Epaphras, it was when he was Ephesus. For us, it might be these letters. So here's the question for us. So the first question I want you to write down today is this. What's my most transformational time of my life? You know what it needs to be? Right now. Maybe it's been a time in the past. Maybe it's going to be a time in the future. But the only thing you and I are guaranteed is today. Our most transformational time needs to be right now. So the question, the main overarching question today is, am I bearing fruit? I want us to look at Colossians chapter 1. You can follow along on the screens. But I want to encourage you to bring your own Bibles. This is going to be out of the New Living Translation. But I want you to listen to this and see what God is doing to this group of the folks of the Colossians. And the first point is this. What is the essence of the fruit that you are bearing? What is the essence of your fruit? Starting with verse 4, going back a little bit to what Bart shared last week. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your what? Your love for all God's people. That's a fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love. Is one of those fruits. Paul has seen that this group of people is bearing fruit. But what are they bearing fruit? How are they doing it? Which came or which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. The essence of the fruit is this. The essence of our fruit must first be timeless. Is the effort of your fruit timeless? Here's the main question for that. Is what I am investing in others, will it last? Okay? Unfortunately, parents, our money and our inheritance does not last. Okay? 
But is what you're investing in the future generation, is what you're investing in the people that you work around, the people that you go to school around, the people that live in your neighborhood, is the essence of this fruit that you're producing, is it timeless? Will it last? The big call for today in churches is that we would have relevant preaching. You know what most people think relevant preaching is? It is, is it the McDonald's kind of preaching where we can drive in today and be satisfied on our way home? But most of what God's truth is, is not immediate. It is long term. It is long range. The idea of relevant teaching and preaching should be this. Is it timeless? Is it tied to the eternal? What Paul continually does is he begins with the idea that this is an eternal message. This is a message that starts in heaven and works back to where I am in my life right now. In other words, this is something that I know is going to last. The clothes that we have on our body, the fruit that we eat, the food that we eat, these are not things that are going to last. The houses that we build, the church buildings that we build, those things are not going to last. The things that will last, the things that are timeless, is when my life affects your life, when your life affects someone else's, and when life on life, continually things happen to each other, and the effect of that is timeless. So the first thing about the essence of the fruit that you should be producing in your life is, is it eternal? Does it last? That's what we want to ask. The second part of this, the essence then, is the essence of the fruit is transformational. Look in verse 6. This same good news that came to you is going out over all the world. It is what? What does it say? It is bearing fruit. Say it with me. It is bearing fruit fruit okay you didn't say it with me see we gotta we gotta keep coming back so say it with me it is bearing fruit so it's bearing fruit and it is continually doing this just as it changed your lives lives from the first day you heard it do you remember when you accepted christ do you remember what that day was like for you do you remember maybe someone was speaking that day when you chose to accept Christ? Maybe you were on your own. Maybe you had read God's Word because it is timeless and it is truthful in your life. You had read God's Word. God pricked your heart. The Holy Spirit spoke to you. But there was something that impacted your life. It changed you. So the question for you and I is this. Does what we're doing, does the fruit that we're bearing, does it change other people's lives? We've got to ask that question. Is our life transformational? Does it make this idea of transformation continually to progress? The gospel is what this is really talking about. I was reading Colossians back a couple of months ago, men's group that we have on Saturday mornings. We were reading it together, and I texted Bart. I said, man, if I have an opportunity to preach in this, in this series, I want to preach this verse, and it was this one. Because this is a great view of the gospel, this same good news. The gospel really just means that. It is good news. You and I listen. As a matter of fact, if you've been paying close attention to your TVs this past week, you're not hearing a lot of good news, is it? It's just news. It's what's happening, and most of it is bad news. It's news that's happened, but the gospel is not that. It is good news. The gospel actually began in the Old Testament. The reason that this, that this book is transformational is because the Old Testament sets up the reason why we must need Christ. And then it sets up the stage for why Christ is good news and why His life 
and his living can change our whole destiny. It is good news. If you want to listen, if you want to read it from from Old Testament to New Testament, you can read the whole Bible. But if you want to encapsulate what the gospel really means, from Stephen's perspective, it's Acts chapter 7. Stephen talks about the Old Testament and how it led up to Christ and then how Christ changes lives. In Acts chapter 2, we have Peter's perspective. So you have an opportunity to see it from Peter's perspective. In Paul's perspective, you can read the whole book of Romans and you see him set up the story for what our state was before we met Christ and then how we can know who Christ is. And that's the good news because it carries us to an eternal perspective. If you want to see it from a Jewish believer's point of view, you can read the book of Hebrews. If you want to see it from from, uh, a tax collector's perspective you can read the book of matthew this is what the gospel is sometimes when we hear the gospel we think well it's just the life the death the burial the crucifixion the resurrection of jesus christ but it's more than that it is the good news of christ that's set up from the story of the whole bible this book is transformational and when we're talking about the kind of fruit that we produce is the essence of it is it changing lives you ought to be able to see if it does Maybe people in your past, maybe people in the future, but is it changing lives? The third part of the essence of the fruit is the essence of the fruit is truthful. It's truthful. This story that we have in God's Word is not a politically correct story. This is not a politically correct church. In that, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You're going to hear a lot of ways. You're going to hear a lot of people that say, any old way will do as long as we end up in heaven together, any old way will do. Does that mean that we don't love Jews? Does that that mean that we don't love Muslims? Does that mean we don't love folks that are Buddhists, that that stronghold of Shintoism that has its hold on Japan? Does that mean we don't pray for them? Absolutely not. But this is not a politically correct message. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through Him. I can't say it any other way. That's just the truth. And so we hold on to to that. And that's the question for us about the essence of our fruit. Is Is this message truthful? Is it the truth? Is our lives, do our lives back this up? Do we follow what do we say that we preach? This morning, I don't know if you got up, this is our late service. So our earlier service might have seen this, but there was an absolute brilliant moon this morning and as i left and i got on i drove off our street and turned right that moon was there for just a moment and then when i looked back to my right it was gone it was gone the clouds had covered it up it was so beautiful and it's as if and so this is the truth okay this is how i apply this to my life what i'm saying is if i hear from god it's as if god spoke to me just that quick that on my way to church this morning said, Randy, that's how quick the truth can be there and be gone. And your choice is to obey it or to not obey it. And it's as if God was just preparing my heart. The next thing I did is I turned on to 820 and I'm coming this way. And I began to pray for every church that I was passing. I knew some of the pastors at those churches. I didn't know others. But I just began to pray that God would use whatever they were speaking on today, whatever that church was doing. As I went past Glenview, I've got great friends at Glenview. As I went past Richland Hills Church of Christ, I know a lot of people there. I just began to pray for that. And then God spoke really clearly to me, not in an audible voice, but he said, Randy, I want you to be obedient to do this. And it was a hard thing. 
and I didn't like it, okay? But I need you to understand that when I think about this gospel, this truth, I attempt to live this out in my own life. And I knew that I could not stand here today and teach you if I was not going to be obedient to the truth that that fruit would be born out in my life. Remember that apple tree? A thousand seeds from one apple tree every year. What is the essence of the fruit that your life is producing? Is it timeless? Will it last? Is it transformational? Does it change lives? Is it truthful? Is it literally the truth? What's the essence of your fruit in your life? The second point I want to make is this. The expansion of the fruit. Verse 7 says this. You learned about the good news from Epaphras. We've already talked about that a little bit. Our beloved co-worker, he is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love that you have for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. It's the expansion of the fruit. It is how God wants to expand the fruit in our lives. Do you want EVC to be known as a loving church? Man, I do. From the very first time that someone finds out about us, they might go to the website. I want them to experience the love of God. I want them when they drive up on the parking lot, when they get greeted by a greeter, when they drop their kids off at, at our children's ministry, when they walk in here and they, we greet one another, I want this place to exude God's love. Why? Because it's love that the world cannot duplicate. Our love is what Jesus said, that people will know us by our love for one another. That means loving people when they're going through difficult times, when they've lost a job when they are going through a divorce. It means loving them. It means caring for them. It means meeting needs both here, locally, globally, at other places in the world. It is our love that will help people to see that our message really is true. So the question for us is, are we expanding the fruit? As I've gotten to go and watch Allison as she is running track, she's not running in the relays, but the relays really always have been something that they were the only event that I ran in high school because I only wanted to make the track team only for the district meet because it meant I got to miss school. Okay, I'm just being honest. That's, that's where I was. That's who I am. Okay, that is the only reason I wanted to run track, but I ran in the relays. But the relays are very interesting because time is made up in the relays when? At the pass of the baton. At those passing lanes is when time is made or lost Typically, everything else is based on talent, but at the passing of those batons, that is what can be taught and what can be trained in students. And you can know that what's going on in the mind of that person who's at second leg of the race is they are getting ready to, to run their race. And what are they going to do? They're going to take off like a bullet out of a gun. But what they don't remember is the last runner is what? They are tired, okay? They are tired, and they've got a certain amount of space that they have to receive that baton in. And if they don't receive that baton, then they can be disqualified. You and I are in a race, and we are receiving the baton from a last generation, and we are getting ready to run it to a place where we are expanding the fruit of Christ's kingdom into a next generation. I want you to see this next illustration of how this worked for this. You see, first there was Christ, and Christ passed the baton to Paul. 
And as Paul is running his race, and he even uses that imagery later, and he, he says that I've run my race, I've finished the course, and I've caught the baton from Christ, and I am running my race to the next leg. And Paul passed his baton to Epaphras. And Epaphras took his baton and took this word of faith. He took the fruit out of his life to this church in Colossae, and he passed it on to them. And then do not miss this next step. Generations of the faithful. Two thousand years we are sitting in this church today because someone else was faithful to this message and they decided that bearing fruit was a good enough role and a good enough thing for them to do that they chose to be faithful in it then the question is how did it come to us and then there nearly needs to be another arrow and here's the question for you and i who are you passing the baton to who are you in this race for that God has specifically designated that is your role, it is your responsibility to bear fruit. Are you bearing fruit that does not reproduce? Are you bearing fruit to that next generation? Who are you passing the baton to? Guys that are sitting on these first couple of rows, you are specifically the people we are passing our baton to. We're saying we want to be faithful. We want to have this church. We want this church to expand and grow, even to move to a different location. But will that be the end of EVC? Will that be the end of the church wherever we go from here? No. The real church is when we pass the baton into your lives and we say, now you run and you, you be faithful. There are people who were faithful in my life. My mother taught uh, through two- and three-year-olds for 35 years. She taught them God's Word. She passed the baton on faithfully. We're coming up on the two-year anniversary of her death, but my mother passed the baton on faithfully. There was a guy named Gary Burney who was one of my Bible teachers. I went to a Christian school, and it was Gary Burney when I had all kinds of questions that I didn't know if I died tonight, if I would get to go to heaven. And he calmed my fears and asked me this one question. Randy, is your faith based on what you do or is it based on what Christ did? So if it's based on what Christ did, then quit trying to keep doing everything yourself. This isn't something you can do in your own strength. Gary Bernie told me that. Glenn Claypool. Glenn Claypool was my teacher in church when I was in fourth grade. He was an executive at Tyson Foods. But do you think that his being an executive at Tyson Foods was something I was interested in when I was a fourth grader? No. It was he taught my group of boys that was my age when I was in fourth grade. And Glenn Claypool, I saw him in a restaurant about a year ago as he was eating with his family. And I took my family over to him. And what I really was trying to say to Glenn is thank you. Thank you for making a difference in my life. And these are my daughters. And I want you to know you made an impact in my life as a fourth grader that I will never, ever forget. Folks, you make that kind of an impact when you work with our kids, when you're in our parking lot, when you are doing all various and sundry things. Alan Huddleston was my best friend growing up. And as he was one of my best and closest friends growing up, he was someone who made an impact in my life. And he made a difference in my life. And he still makes a difference because those kinds of friends that you can call at any moment's notice when you have something going on that's horrible in your life, they are there and they are making a difference in you. And so it makes a difference. 
Who are you passing the baton to? What's the expansion of the fruit of your life? Who is it going towards? The third thing I want us to share in this passage, as we just walk through it verse by verse, is the characteristics of the fruit. The characteristics of the fruit. Now, I don't know about you, but this week is a very special week to me because it's called this little itty-bitty thing. Yeah, me and President Obama, it's not so much. Uh, maybe he shouldn't have told us he was doing his brackets, but nevertheless... I love March Madness, okay? So I'm going to tell you that I have brought something that might not be so good to the staff of EVC, and that is I required every staff member to fill out a bracket, okay? Now, we are not gambling, so don't, okay, but if you have a problem, go ahead and send your emails to randy at eaglesviewchurch.org, okay? But we were not gambling, but everyone filled out a bracket. Well, it was so exciting to see Liz Maxwell, 73 years old, excited about her bracket. I couldn't get her on cbssports.com, but I had to get her on, and and she said, what about this team? I said, Liz, just pick a team, okay? You're going to pick any team. It's going to probably be better than all the people who do this for a living, okay? It's going to be fun. Dustin Rimmers, okay? Now, you would think Dustin would be somebody who actually had probably done this before. But Dustin had to go to his neighbor and ask, how many periods are there in a college basketball game? Okay? Not to throw somebody under the bus, but thank you, Dustin. And Dustin was, he was like so stressed out about picking teams. I said, Dustin, it's no big deal. And he goes, well, uh, now, uh, what are we going to do? I said, look. The, the winning person, all the rest of us, are going to buy lunch for that person. I said, if you don't want to invest your $1 into that, I said, I will gladly pay your dollar for the other person. He goes, well, you know, and he was really kind of worried about stressing out about picking teams. He is giddy as a schoolgirl because guess who's in the lead, okay? <laughs> Dustin Rimmers. And he's like, man, I, this is so great. I mean, I've got all my teams. If all my team's in one region, does that mean I get all the points? I said, no, Dustin, you don't get any points for winning the first round. It's all the way to the finish, okay? It's like the characteristics of these people, their competitiveness comes out when they're picking teams, not to mention the fact that I had Pittsburgh winning. Not so good for me in my bracket. But what are the characteristics of the fruit of your life? Does competitiveness come out in you or does humility? What's the characteristics of the fruit? Paul makes it very clear as he prays for the Colossians. In verse 9, he says, So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. Paul prayed into these people's lives. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, keep praying for your kids. Even if you never see the generations that are coming before you, you keep praying for them. You can impact people that you will never see. Paul never saw any of these people that he's speaking to. And yet he impacted them through his prayer. He says, I am praying for you, as he talks about later in the book of 1 Thessalonians. He prayed without ceasing. He's continually praying. We've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you what? And these are great things. This is a great prayer for you to pray, parents, grandparents. We pray to give you, he would give you complete knowledge of his will. And that He would give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good work or good fruit. Again, that whole idea of bearing fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better 
and better. There is no better prayer that we as your pastors, that you could pray, that we could pray for you, that you could pray for your kids. As I pray for Allison and for Kara, there is no greater prayer is that they would live lives that always bring honor to Jesus Christ. Not lives that would honor me as their father, but lives that my daughters would live in the future generation and that their children, and that they would continually pass this baton, that the characteristics of our fruit is that it continues. But what does it continue to do? It continues to be complete with the knowledge of His will. You see, there was a group of people that were coming into this church in this area of Colossae called the Gnostics. And the Gnostics were people today that would watch the History Channel and they would get the ideas of the next new secret, the things about Nostradamus, okay? I'm speaking to my father-in-law right now. He is a conspiracy theorist. I'm just going to call him out right here today. He is a conspiracy theorist. He's always bringing me these ideas of, hey, did you know about what Nostradamus said? Did you know what, um, what Leonardo da Vinci wrote into this painting and all these things? So these are the conspiracy theorists. The Gnostics believe that there was this secret, that if you just had this secret plus Christ, then you would figure out all these things would open up to you. There is no secret. Except this. Actually, Colossians 1 is going to say this later. You're going to get to preach this. You know what the secret is? Read the end of chapter 1. The secret is Christ is in you. Hello? That's the secret. When you have Christ in you, the characteristics of your fruit, of your fruit is that you would know God's complete will. How many of you would like to know what God's will is for your life, right? We want it written out. We want it pasted up there. Some of you, the early service said they didn't necessarily want to know God's will because then they'd have to do it. Okay, well, that's a problem. But you know God's will. It's right here. What is God's will? God's will is that you would bear fruit. It's no secret. It is Christ in you. And if Christ is alive in you, then He can't help but overflow out of your life as He's constantly alive in you. That's the characteristics of your fruit, that you would know God's complete will, that you would also have spiritual wisdom and understanding. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. You know what wisdom is? Great definition of wisdom is, it is looking at life from God's perspective. But here's another great view of what wisdom is. Wisdom is knowing a situation that you're in and knowing God's Word and being able, being able to bring those two things together. Folks, we need you to be that in people's lives. As you're going in the workplace, as you're at school, as you're doing things in your neighborhood, and someone comes to you and they don't know what to do. I can't tell you the number of times that my neighbors have come to me, and it's a young couple that they're just having their kids, and they ask us questions about parenting because they see our girls and they go, well, at least they're alive and ticking and they seem like really good girls. What did you guys do? And we simply, simply do this. We take what's going on in their life and what God has taught us through His Word and we bring them together. That's called spiritual wisdom and understanding. And you need to be that connection point for people in your lives. For your sphere of influence, for the people that you live around, you need to be that point. What does that require of you? It requires of you that you simply know a little bit more about and you hear from God and you're obedient to that in somebody else's life. I've had people that have been in my life that have been obedient to be that person for me. There was a young man that I talked to not too long ago. He was 
he was at the church that, that I previously served at, and he came and he wanted to have lunch with me. I'm going to call his name. We're going to call him John today. And John came to me and said, I, you know, I want to have lunch with you because I want you to know I'm going to be leaving the church where you're at. I'm going to go to this, this other church. It was a great church he was going to. And I said, that's awesome. I'm glad that you're doing that. I said, tell me, tell me kind of why, why you feel like you need to leave. He said, well, I just don't feel like that I'm being discipled here by someone individually. I said, okay. And he began to tell me his story. He told me a story how in college that he'd had a man who had invested in him in a strong way. They'd invested in him. They had discipled him personally. And then he went to this church. It was another great church, and he was involved in their college ministry uh, and worked in their college ministry. He had another man that continued to disciple him. But when he had come to this church where I was at, he didn't have anybody that was discipling him. And I said, first of all, John, that's great. And I was a little bit older than him, so I could speak this into his life. And I said, but I'm going to tell you something. I said, you've already decided to leave. And I said, I bless that wholeheartedly. I said, but John, you need to quit asking the question of who's going to disciple you. You need to start being a transfer of the fruit that these other people have already invested in you. Did you know as a college student, as a college freshman, I... uh, or as a college sophomore, I led the first small group that I'd ever led. And I never stopped leading them. Because it's there that I saw transformation take place in people's lives. William Taylor was a man at my college that encouraged me to do that. He encouraged me to take the, the obedience and the truth that I've, known, that I've last known and invested into other people. And that's the reason we encourage you to do that. Do you realize that Acts chapter 2, when it talks about the church exploding and expanding, that the people who were doing that had been Christians less than 60 days? And I would be venture, I would venture to say that today most of the people who are listening to this message have been Christians more than 60 days. The church would not have gone forward if it hadn't been for people who were young Christians. Who are you passing this on? What are the characteristics of your fruit? But lest we go any further, I want you to know that I shared this in my life group this past Wednesday, and one of the folks that was in our life group brought this up, and I was so touched by it that I've added it into this message because it is so true. Everything that we've said up to this point could be said, well, I just need to do more. I need to be more. I need to accomplish more. I need to bear more fruit. It's more stuff that, Rand, that I've got to do, that, that Randy's told me I've got to continue to do this. No, listen to this. It is in his strength, verse 11. We also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power so that you will have all the endurance and patience that you need. You guys that are in 7th, 8th, ninth grade, it now, right now in the race, it doesn't seem like you're going to need endurance. Because this is all new. It's fresh. It's exciting. It's exciting to be a part of a great youth group. It's exciting to, to do some of those things. For those of you that are closer to the end of your race, you need endurance. You need Christ's strength to continue to make it through. His strength is there. It's not something more for you to do. It is instead something, as Jesus said, a grain of wheat must first go into the ground and die. We have to die to our, keep, our ability that keeps pushing us on that we've got to do this in and of ourselves. 
and live to what Christ wants in us. Strength, endurance, that you may be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. What does that sound like? The fruit of the Spirit, doesn't it? What Paul is saying is it's not just that you invest in people, although that's important. It's also that you live this out in your life, and it's literally the fruit of God's Spirit that comes alive in your life, in my life. So the key question here is, are you producing fruit both in your life and in the life that goes beyond you? The final thing today then is this. What's the product? What's the product of your fruit? What does it actually produce? Look in verse 12. It says, He has enabled you. Again, it's His strength, not yours. He's enabled you to share in the inheritance. There's that future view. There's that look at the eternal. Paul is always pointing us to heaven. Your inheritance is not just then, but it's also now. It's in the future, but it's also here. The kingdom of God began Jesus on the scene. He said, repent for the kingdom is at hand. But the kingdom is not someday just in the future, but you have to have your mind on the future and realize that the kingdom of God, your chance, your opportunity, my opportunity to impact anyone is only now. What you pray, what you write, what you say, what you do, this is the only time that you and I get to be involved in the production. Everything else is our future inheritance that belongs to His people who live in the light. For He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred, in, transferred us into the kingdom of His dear Son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. What is this opportunity for you and I? It's the transference of our kingdom. It's being transferred from a kingdom of darkness to a kingdom of light. If you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart today, you've been transferred from a kingdom of darkness into a kingdom of light. The question is, are you going to live like someone who already has your inheritance? Are you going to live like someone who doesn't have one? You see, that's the process of salvation. Salvation is when Jesus comes into your life. Everything else beyond that day of salvation, whenever that was for you, is what we call the process of sanctification. And it's this process of, on a daily basis, you're producing fruit. Remember that apple tree? A thousand seeds every year. What's your potential? What is the product of your fruit today? Would you bow your heads with me? I want to ask you, one final question. And that is this. Which of these three people am I? You are one of these three people. Some of you today are people whose your life has not been transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You've never come to that place. And today could be your day that you remember the fruit that God wants to bear in your life. Today could be your day that you remember back that today was the day that you asked Christ to come in. If that's you, then I want to ask you this morning. You simply not, it's not the words of this prayer, but it's simply saying, God, I know I can't make this on my own. I ask you to give me the strength, and I ask you into my life, Jesus. Transfer my heart 
from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And for some of you, you'll make that decision today. Others of you are this second person. You're a person who literally your life is in the new kingdom. You've asked Christ to come into your heart and life. But you're still living as if the chains are still around your wrists. You're still in the cell. You don't have to be anymore. You can take a walk into the light of what Christ has for you. Others of you are this third person. You're experiencing all God has for you in in His fullness. And my question for you is just, who are you passing it on to? Father, I ask you this morning that your Spirit would work inside of our hearts. Lord, that we would inspect the fruit of our lives. Lord, that's what you've called us to do in our own lives. Not to do in, in some other, somebody else's life. But Father, I pray for those who need to accept you today that they do so. For those who feel chained inside a kingdom of darkness when they really are your daughters and your sons and they have already been freed, but they need to take a step into the light. Or God, for those who need to run their race with effectiveness and pass the baton onto the next generation. Father, speak to our hearts this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor Bart. Amen. Thank you. That eventually comes from you investing in your life to the life of, lives of others is that you get to share in the inheritance that is not just someday, it is today. The kingdom of God began whenever you accepted Christ. The kingdom of God, Jesus said when He came to this earth, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's ready. And then He said it's a transferred life. You hear the transference out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of His dear Son. You and I have an opportunity to be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of His dear Son. And you know what awaits you when you're there? This verse says it. It's freedom. Some of you have come here today and Jesus Christ has given you freedom. But you're still living like you're chained up. Your life has been transferred. That's already happened. It's a done deal. That is the sanctification or that is the salvation process. You've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of life. It's a done deal. It's already happened. Your eternity is set in Christ. But instead of living like a person who is freed up and living in the kingdom of freedom, you're still chained up to the kingdom of darkness. That's not who you are. That's not who Christ has freed you to be. He's freed you to be His child, His daughter, His son, who already has the inheritance. You see, we've got to live with the eternal perspective in mind. So here are those questions. Am I living the essence of the fruit? Is what I'm doing timeless? Is it transformational in other people's lives? Is it true? What's the kind of fruit that I'm producing? Who's the person in my who, who am I passing my baton to? What's the, what's the product of this fruit? What are the characteristics that I live my life? Let Colossians, let this book that Paul wrote, never getting to see these people. He wrote and spoke into their lives. 
and he lived it out in them. Let's pray this morning. As we pray, I want you to ask yourself, there are three kinds of people here today. There are three kinds of people. I want you to ask God in the stillness of this moment, God, which one of these people am I? The first one is this. There are people here today whose lives have not been transferred. You've never come to the place where you've invited Christ into your life. Today is your day to be able to remember. Today is your day to be able to look back and say, I want my life to be transferred by Christ into the kingdom of His dear Son, of God's dear Son. You can simply ask Christ to come into your life. Very simply, it's not the words of a prayer that saves you. It's the attitude of your heart. If you want Christ to be your Lord and Savior today, you can simply ask Jesus, Jesus, I can't save myself. Would you come in and be my Savior and transfer me from the kingdom of darkness I've been living in into the kingdom of light? You may be that person. You've not been transferred. Others of you are people who are in the cell of the old kingdom even though you've been released. You know your life is hidden in Christ, but you don't feel it today because you're still living out that life chained to the old kingdom. You can be free today. There is freedom in Christ. Others of you are this person. You're experiencing all the freedom that God has given you. And the question is, who are you passing it on to? Is your life bearing fruit? Father, thank you for your people today. Lord, if there's one person here today who does not know you, God, I pray that your spirit, not these words, but that your spirit would prick their hearts and say, today you've got to be obedient. Father, others have lived in kingdom of darkness. Transfer them and help them to realize, God, that you've already set them free. All they've got to do is walk into the light. Walk into your truth that they've been set free. And others, Father, are wondering, where do I need to pass the baton to? Do I need to pass it in the parking lot? Do I need to pass it in that nursery? Do I need to pass it with those four-year-olds? Do I need to pass it with those teenagers, with that group of adults in that life group? Where do I need to pass the baton most? May you answer that, God as you speak truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Bart.